14 minutes it is after 7 p.m. Welcome to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. My name is Ayabong Atawe and uh, yeah, with you from now through to 9 p.m. Uh, bringing you all of the latest out uh, in the world of current affairs, in our political economy. Also going to be checking in with some company news and of course, uh, yeah, I guess uh, also going to be... Uh, Making sense of the numbers that have come through from Ital Tile, that uh, firm there uh, of the Ravazotti. Yeah, yeah, Ravazotti uh, family. And they're going to be checking in with that story. Kanyan Zurulega is going to join me in the next few minutes uh, where we're going to be uh, checking in with some of those stories. We also tonight have a chance uh, to uh, take a look at a very interesting story uh, coming through here from the uh, 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 print newspapers. Uh, and it's a story uh, where I guess. Yeah, the city of Cape Town launching a six-point plan to help protect the city's housing projects from what it is calling an increase in incidents of extortion, criminality and violence. Uh, you know, the kind of, uh, I guess, uh, as is often said, the Delangokbona kind of approach. And it seems it's a gathering steam out in the Western Cape and uh, projects amounting to nearly one billion are car- currently at risk. And uh, just in one week, uh, the Delft Symphony Way project earmarked for about 3,300 beneficiaries was attacked twice and uh, we're going to be speaking to Malusi Boy, MMC for Human Settlements in the city of Cape Town uh, in our headline segment tonight. And then we bring to you Shop Stewart's Corner uh, which of course every Monday takes a look uh, into the lives of working people and uh, certainly no different uh, today because we're going to be checking in with a story coming out of Distel. Now, these are the guys who give us, uh, you know, well-known brands, Savannah, JC LaRue, Hunters, Clip Drift, um, you know, uh, I think Four Cousins as well, and many other brands. And uh, they, of course, uh, are also uh, currently uh, engaged um, in uh, processes that uh, will give rise to a merger with international brew- brewing giant Heineken. Uh, but uh, this time around, the workers at, uh, at their production site out in Stellenbosch are demanding that uh, Distel give them their union of choice, solidarity, recognition and bargaining rights. And it seems the company is saying, well, there are other unions who have uh, recognition uh, agreements uh, out at uh, the Distel plant. And we're going to be talking about this tonight. Cedric Arendt is a shop steward out at Distel. And we're going to be making sense of this uh, particular squabble over which trade union is ultimately recognized. Distel coming out and saying, while they respect the rights to strike, uh, bargaining rights are awarded to unions with a minimum of uh, a fifth uh, of the workforce um, by way of membership uh, uh, at the at a national level uh, for a firm like Distel. And we'll be taking a look at uh, what that means for that uh, plant out in Stellenbosch. Cedric Arendt will be joining us for our Shop Stewards segment. And we're also going to check in with a few stories that came through. Of course, uh, Twane Mayer, Randall Williams resigning. Uh, we're going to be making sense of that. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, similarly, of course, uh, some big issues insofar as uh, dry taps out in Koster in Bokwanebo Pirima are concerned. And we'll be bringing you those stories from our newsroom tonight. So that's what we have. And it's a real pleasure to have you all tonight as we take a look at all of these big stories and anything else that has us talking, of course, at a difficult time following what we've seen over the course of the weekend. And as I said, you know, all of these are the morbid symptoms of uh, an unfolding and an unraveling crisis uh, in our society. And uh, yeah, let's talk about that. Africa. <laughs> 
asingakanani ngumshonzo ngasemva. Siti khabla ngini ngafi ngundozo bawo kule pegile seilepu za makwebu o kwebu no kokosho. Kuba wacho no tambo watinja la yok ngobu talu talu ule mzanta Afrika. Kukufakulu amvila kui ekonomi yao. Senza londo ketina singabandwa na bomkuba. Singabandwa na benzaka. Singamatola nyonga ande kujelana. Singabandwa na bakulange nembe kaka sijegeja. Sazalwa sinamazinyo. Singamatweba omga. Kwa singamatweba omtio kaka umnuma. Sisisugulwana sikamkai. Olelinga apenda buzuko. Sisisugulwana sembongi kazi unontizi mkweto. Kwa ekelemita isasluka nisayo ya kchanja pe Afrika. Kubaka luku singama Afrika asembo tina. Kwa ya watu mangu chana singa isusa na nini na. Kasi ibanga le ekonomi. 23 minutes after 7pm is the time. You tuned into Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And I'm joined on the line uh, to take a look at uh, the latest out in company news. And of course, uh, also going to be touching uh, in with the story of Adidas and uh, the latest coming out of uh, there. Uh, of course, they put out uh, some guidance to the market towards the end of last week. Uh, Kanya Nzululeka, co-founder out at Satana Capital, is my guest. Kanya, good evening to you and welcome. Evening, Aya. Yeah, I hope you're well. No, I'm doing very well, and you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out to speak to us. Let's maybe start out with um, Alternative Exchange here, ZAX. It seems, yeah, I guess has gone to the end of its runway with the regulator, the Financial Sector mm. Conduct Authority. W- what's happening here? Um, yeah, so uh, very unfortunate news, I guess, for the founders. I'm always very sad when a business you know, doesn't work out. Um, so the PIC Batvar X Exchange has actually had its license stripped by the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. And really the news going out there is that you know, they haven't actually been compliant with a lot of the liquidity and capital adequacy requirements um, of the SMA. Um, so which, which means what, Kanya? Like, I mean, just for us okay. lay people, what does that mean? So effectively, it's just to protect, you know, the consumer on the ground. You know, banks also are subject to such regulations. And effectively, it's just to make sure that if you're putting your money in a business, they actually have liquidity to, you know, be able to give it back to you, um, you know, just to protect the consumer so that you don't have another, you know, um, 2008 mm. um, financial, you know, crisis. So I, I know that I'm a bit, you know, cross-wired here, but it's the simplest way that I can think of it. It's just to make sure that the consumer is protected as they put their money or as they trade on a particular platform. Oh, so, so it's about making sure there's enough liquid money, like accessible money rather than money that would be tied up in assets or anything like that uh, and what would every exchange be expected to have a certain level of that definitely um so jse is subjected to that um the other platform atx mm. which also does a lot of secondary listing is also subjected to the okay. same and it's a global standard really so when it comes to capital markets such as one in south africa which is relatively developed um the standards are quite stringent and rightfully so um it's just to make sure that people are able to get their money back um and at the end of the day you do actually particularly when it comes to an exchange there is liquidity within that particular you know exchange Mm-hmm. And, and and I guess w- what does this mean by way of opening up the options for where and how people can raise capital? 
Um, so I, I do think that it's, it's unfortunate. It's always good to have as many markets as you possibly can. It's great for the company shares. Um, it improves the shares' liquidity. It improves the company's product profile, and it also improves the discovery of fair value. Um, you know, for the shares. Um, so I do think that you know, for you know, domestic capital markets, it's not the best thing that can happen. However, having said that, ATX, uh, which was also started around about the same time as RX, they are doing quite well. They have mm. a combined market capitalization of $6.5 trillion. Um, So, you know, th- that's great because at this moment, they also have secondary listings of, of quite top companies, your son, Lundy, Investec. Uh, I read recently that APSA is also planning to list there. So it's great that, you know, we still have those kinds of competitors on the market. However, it would have been great for ZARX to also remain mm. to keep the competition going. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of those, I guess... Um Fateful days uh, where, uh, I guess, uh, an exchange or a bank or a mutual closes. Uh, it's always, I guess, uh, the closure of a chapter in a country where we probably, as you correctly say, need so many of these. But let's shift our attention. I guess, yeah, much of our problems, it seems, emerge from Megawatt Park. Uh, but alongside Megawatt Park are a few estates, uh, you know, the waterfall equestrian estate, the country village, the country estate. Um, you know, there's a distribution campus, there's a quarry, there's a, you know, Kikuyu, Munyaka, Junction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many people who live in that uh, part, in the northern parts of Johannesburg, will know exactly what I'm talking about. We're talking about Waterfall. Okay. And um, yeah, it's a, a city uh, built by Attack attack via one of their companies, the Waterfall Investment Company. And it seems the pension funds of public sector workers uh, want some of the action. Yes, so um, news has actually come out that the GPS um, is going to acquire 30% shareholding in the Waterfall Investment Company, um, which at the moment is a wholly owned subsidiary of the TAC. Um, so the cash price being put out there is about 2.8 billion rands. Mm. So I think that, you know, it's a, it's a really great deal. I think that, you know, Waterfall is quite a prime asset. Um, and I think it's going to continue developing as more people move, look to move into a more affluent part of the country. And as Kauteng continues to develop as well, um, the city is also going to develop along with it. So uh, attack shareholders, obviously, you know, really loving the news. The shares sh- surged about to 20% when the news came out. Uh, so, yeah, I think that it's, it's a great deal all around. Um, and I think that, you know, some of the, you know, the pension holders um, should take comfort in this sort of uh, a transaction taking place. Mm. And, and let's maybe just speak briefly about the mechanics of the transaction. I mean, quite an interesting thing that, um, you know, um, not only is the GPF taking it, you know, uh, warts and all, including some of the uh, shareholder loans that ATTAC would have, mm. Uh, mm. but there's also a commitment on the part of, you know, GPF and ATTAC, which will remain the majority shareholder to recapitalize this business? Yes, so when attacks did come out of the news, it actually was a big thing for them to say that in the PIC, um, they are finding you know, a, a long-term investment partner that they can actually feel confident will have the liquid funds to invest into you know, the different um, you know, project rollout plans that they have. Um, so I think that, you know, the fact that in addition to the fact that they are going to be acquiring the shares as well as taking over a proportionate share of the shareholder loan from the TAC, the fact that they also are 
right up front, putting up a commitment to then also put in more, you know, um, you know, liquidity into the business, is telling of, you know, the strategic, um, you know, prowess of management, and is also telling of, you know, how optimistic, you know, everyone concerned is with this particular asset, uh, mm-hmm. which is waterfall. Yeah, yeah, um, and I guess you know, waterfall uh, or attack has given some guidance as to what this money will be used for. One part of it which I found quite interesting is, you know, they want to rejig their capital structure. So the combination okay. between sort of shareholder equity and debt um, in the funding uh, uh, elements of the business. Um, but in addition to that, uh, also, I guess, uh, continue to um, go on their path of developing some of the lands that I've mentioned, not all of which, of course, have been built on or been developed. Um, and I guess that mm-hmm. pipeline, um, you know, will probably gobble up a lot of this capital but also assist this REIT uh, to effectively do so without as much debt as maybe some of its counterparts would. Yeah, uh, and I think that another great thing about um, the rejigging of the capital structure, like you mentioned, is the fact that it is going to lead to reduced cost of capital. So Mm. I think that attack shareholders will be happy about that, considering that we are in a rising interest rate environment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the things that they mentioned there that I thought were quite interesting is developments around logistics. I think that, you know, in, in South Africa, logistics is actually going to be a sector or an opportunity that is really going to be profitable for those that can be able to take, um, you know, advantage of such opportunity. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, attack, um, they've already canvassed it quite broadly, that they're quite happy with this transaction. Mm. It's going to help them with their capital structure and it's also going to help them to reduce their cost of capital. Yeah, very interesting one here. And uh, I guess um, for for GEPF, just as we wrap up, I mean, what's in it for them? I think that uh, it's an opportunity, like I said, to to really be exposed to a prime asset, um, exposed to financial flows that are quite stable. Mm. So I think that it's it's an actual it's an actually great investment. Obviously you have to get closer, do a bit of due diligence. But from, you know, my perspective and from where I'm standing, it is actually, you know, something that I I do believe will reap benefits mm. for, you know, GEPF. Um the funny thing is that we just spoke about ZARX. ZARX was actually uh, an investment of PIC as well. So yes, we yes, have yeah. both good and bad news coming mm. out um for the pi- PIC today, and I think that definitely this type of investment um, will, will hardly not materialize in a positive manner. Mm. I stand to be corrected, um, but yeah, that's my stance at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I think if you're an investor that large, uh, you're not always going to pick the right ones. Um, and uh, sure. you just hope that the ones that do go well uh, give you a, a big enough a bang of money. Uh, in order for you to be able to cover some of those losses. But just out of interest, I mean, uh, before we leave that story, uh, the logistics um, and sort of warehousing that you mentioned there, of course, ATTAC has built via a joint venture with Sundam Life Insurance um, and their investment company there for Waterfall. Um, And uh, also, I guess, yeah, well located there because um, it is in a cross-section of many arterial nodes in that part, uh, which all, I guess, feed into the N1. Uh, which is the main sure. node, I guess, that goes into the region. So, uh, very interesting play there, um, I guess. And uh, what, only time will tell whether it's the residential ones or the uh, distribution and logistic ones that make uh, the most money uh, per rand invested in capital. But let's shift to Italtile. I was saying to Andila earlier on, I mean, I, I certainly and I joined many South Africans. 
um, you know, in probably having known a lot of the brands, but never having known the story behind the founders of Ital Tile. And I've sort of followed, I guess, uh, their trajectory in the markets for a while now. Um, you know, they had a very favorable COVID period as everybody was renovating their homes. I think they put up bumper numbers, top line up, uh, you know, profits up as well. And margins were good. Um, and now mm. it seems things aren't looking too good. But still, I mean, if you're coming in with a trading profit margin and around 22%, um, things might not be good in comparison to last year, but certainly much, much better than most in the market. Definitely. Um, so they came out with those results, um, you know, which aren't that great. But I do think it's a top line turnover mm. is showing some form of resilience, um, you know, up 3%. And if you consider the fact that we, you know, we are in an environment where the consumer is under a lot of pressure. If it's not interest rates, it's load shedding. If it's not load shedding, it's just general food inflation. Mm. So we definitely can expect that, you know, renovating your house, um, no matter how therapeutic it can be to some, is not going to be top of the list for a lot of South African consumers. However, regardless of that, I do think that, um, you know, turnover has really shown a lot of resilience, um, but that trading profit is down 8% to about 1.4 billion rands. Um, and, yeah, the, the interim gross cash dividend to trade um, also down to 32 cents from 34 cents in the previous year. So I do think that, you know, they are in for a bumpy ride until things begin to clear up from a macroeconomic perspective and there's a bit of clarity about what is the plan uh, about improving the lives of South Africans. They will be in for a bumpy ride. However, I do think that at the moment they've done well mm. um, despite you know how disappointing results are. Yeah, yeah. And of course, some um, you know shake up out in the board there. Uh, Deputy uh, non-executive uh, chair of the board, uh, Luciana... Uh, Ravazotti, yes, let me get this right. Luciana Ravazotti Langenhofer, who is the daughter of Gianni Ravazotti, who is the current chair uh, of the Ravazotti family, who of course founded uh, Ital Tile and CTM and all of the other companies that we are familiar with. Um, Yeah, it seems uh, this is very much part and parcel of their own succession planning. We'd spoken last week about a story of from uh, the Arnold family at uh, Louis Vuitton, Moet and Hennessy yeah. and some of the issues around succession there. Now it comes up again in a South African company, um, you know, uh, out in the ceramic space, um, you know, makes that series uh, of the same name uh, look like a ballpark when you look at all of this unfolding in real life. What do you make of that? And more importantly, I guess, um, to what degree Luciana um, as a whole old hand in the business, as somebody who, as I said, lived in Australia, lives in Australia now, and has also been part of the expansion of Ital Tile globally, uh, what this will mm. mean? So I, I think that it's, it's very interesting. You know, you, you already mentioned um, Louis Vuitton, yes. Mm. Um, you know, with the founder of Louis Vuitton, and how there you have a number of the children that are in the running to actually take up control of the business. Mm. And what's interesting is that you don't necessarily have um, heiress, heirs and heiresses who are not qualified. Um, speaking about you know people who have been in the business, have experience. Like you've already mentioned, Luciana has really contributed to you know international expansion and the like. And she's worked in the business long enough to you know give comfort, I think, to the market that she's more than capable to take the business forward. And if you have a look at how the share price has reacted to all the news 
that have come out regarding Teltal, um, basically you know, no movement um, is, is, is better than actually declining. I do think that the market has confidence that she has what it takes to take the business forward, and this isn't necessarily a move that is rooted in any form of, um, you know, affection. Mm-hmm. So we wish her all the best. We do really believe, well, personally, you know, I do think that, you know, she is capable given her experience, and she'll be, you know, well-supported yeah. as well, you know, by, by the rest of her colleagues. And then Adidas... Yeah, it's a very interesting. It's another company that has its own very interesting and checkered history. Of late, of course, one of the big headlines coming out of there is them sort of jettisoning and ditching Kanye West. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably the first thing they mentioned in the guidance they gave towards the end of last week. And uh, saying, yeah, they continue to review their future options for the use of their Yeezy inventory. And uh, indeed, this will account for lower revenues by around 1.2 billion or around 1.2 billion euro, which is probably around 22, uh, you know, a billion rand uh, and uh, operating profit declines of around 500 million euro as well. Um, what do you make of that? And of course, also, I guess some of the other guidance they've given about uh, notwithstanding the easy matter, horrible performance in other areas. Mm. So I think this is a very interesting story. And I think, you know, if you, so last right. year, Yeezy contributed 10%, 10% of revenue came as a result of Kanye West. And if you consider the fact that if you are gauging who's more popular, um, Beyonce, you know, it does seem to be more popular than Kanye West. However, Ivy Park has really been struggling. Um, you know, sales declining by more than 50%, and they're sitting at about $40 million, whereas your Yeezys mm. are at about, you know, $1.2 billion, um, you know, dollars. So it's such an interesting story when you look at the influence that Kanye West has had on Adidas as a whole. Um, Adidas is still second to Nike. However, I do think that his brand and everything that he's done really helps them to, to catch up in, you know, in some ways. Um, but I, I think it's absolutely fascinating because Adidas, they have um, Beyonce, they have Lionel Messi, um, they have a number of other well-known celebrities and athletes. However, you have you know, the, this one brand that has contributed a lot. And I do think that they have to go back to the drawing board and really think hard around you know, what is the next big thing for them. Um, and what else can they do to plug mm. in um, this hole that has you know, um, been left by this brand? And I think that if you already have Beyonce and that's not really working for you, it will give the CEO and his management team a lot of headaches. Mm, mm, mm. And, you know, I mean, a company like this saying it will take time for Adidas to shine again. Uh, mm. Yeah, that, that probably... Can't be a assuring message to shareholders who often think in quarterly cycles rather than, I guess, in the in the sort of half decades or decades that it might require to turn this around. Yeah, so the market is not happy at all, and some sell-side analysts also coming out with notes speaking about the fact that even if you strip out the impact of disease, mm. there's a lot that's fundamentally wrong with yeah. the business. Yeah. So Kanye? last Thursday will. So, yes. Sorry about that. Unfortunately, we will have to hold it here. But uh, certainly a story that uh, uh, will probably continue to garner a lot of opinion. But Kanya, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Thanks a lot, Aya. Cheers. That there was Kanya Zululeka from Satana Capital.